is going on, everybody? Welcome to the midweek episode. We are currently in the middle uh, of the well, the midweek. Um, we're going to go over some injury reports uh, coming out of some of these teams' camps for the NFL, uh, looking at some of the players that may or may not make it into the game this week for week four. Also going to have a fantasy football segment with my likes and dislikes going into this week. Um, And one more, another bonus take uh, at the end. We're going to go over some some teams at the top, some teams at the bottom, but I'll explain more about that when we get there. But let's uh, let's jump right into these uh, injuries that we had in week three uh, or in the beginning of week four. All right, starting off, we've got two San Francisco 49er cornerbacks. Uh, Josh Norman uh, with bruised lungs. Not going to lie, did not even know that you could bruise a lung. Um, However, it happened to him. He's questionable for this week. Uh, They are already slim at cornerback. Uh, due to some injuries in camp and some injuries in the offseason. Also, uh, his running mate, Kwan Williams, on the other side, calf strain. He's going to be out two to three weeks. Uh, they're thinking the lesser more than the more um, for that, for the calf strain. So we've talked about soft tissue injuries uh, multiple times especially on the podcast, but I know you guys have heard uh, some stuff going around the NFL. Anything that has to do with uh, soft tissue injury, um, very, very hard to get come back and come back fast uh, because it's a lot of a rehab uh, for some of these soft tissue injuries, whether it be a hamstring, a groin, a calf, uh, or what have you. So those two cornerbacks for the 49ers are going to be huge to not be in uh, because they are playing within the division this week uh, against Seattle. So that's going to be very serious, uh, especially if you fantasy players out there. Um, so keep let's keep an eye on what they do in terms of how to replace these two players if one of them or both of them can't go this week. Next on the list, A.J. Brown. Uh, This one very interesting because uh, Julio is dinged up once again. Uh, This was the one thing that Tennessee was worried about when they were going to try to acquire Julio Jones. A.J. Brown uh, has a hamstring as well. Uh, He's going to be out one to two weeks. He's trying to push for this week. Uh, The team itself will not release that he is officially ruled out, but it's not looking good. Uh, based on the reports I'm reading. Uh, so I have a one- to two-week window. He could, could could return next week, could practice next week even, uh, but it looks like he's not going to be in. Good news for the Tennessee Titans is that they are playing the New York Jets this week, so they should be able to get away with uh, putting most of the most of the plays on Derrick Henry's back uh, and doing a few play-action uh, plays to their backup wide receivers in this case if Julio and AJ can go as well as their tight ends so let's keep an eye on Tennessee this week because if all of these starters uh, both of these starting wide receivers uh, can't go uh, betting odds perhaps maybe you pick the Jets to cover but um, not a very good bet as of the first three weeks if you're going to pick the Jets to cover Next on the list, Quentin Nelson. Uh, If you remember, Quentin Nelson had the same foot injury that Carson Wentz had uh, before the season started. Now he has an ankle sprain, most likely a high ankle sprain. He's doubtful for this week and could miss up to several weeks. I don't like the way that some of these these 
people online come out and say how long uh, people are going to be out of games for uh, up to several weeks. So I'm just going to I'm just going to put that into in terms of numbers. Uh, So I have one to three weeks here. Honestly, depending on what type of sprain it is, not really clear as to what type of sprain it is based on the articles I've been reading. Uh, But a low ankle sprain versus a high ankle sprain, you're going to miss about a month if it's high ankle. Uh, If it's low ankle, you have an opportunity to come back the same week. However, it's on the same leg that he had the foot issue before. Uh, So that compounding issue may keep him out um, at least one week, which would be this week, week four. Next on the list, Juju Smith-Schuster has bruised ribs. His um, his x-rays came back negative for his ribs, which means they're only bruised, uh, definitely not fractured like Tua's are, um, which is good for the Pittsburgh Steelers considering their offense already looks piss poor as it is. Uh, he's questionable uh, for the game this week. So let's keep an eye on Juju. Uh, they play the Green Bay Packers this week with a Green Bay Packers defense is very subpar. However, Big Ben looks like he forgot how to play football so far this season. So uh, any any option that he, Big Ben has uh, will definitely benefit them against Green Bay. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. Uh, but... It's going to be interesting, especially if Pittsburgh's defense does not live up to standards, then we may or may not have a shootout on our hands. It might be in the 40s. All right, next on the list, Teron Armstead, the big tackle from the New Orleans Saints. He has an elbow injury. He's going to be out several weeks. Uh, looks like a dislocation uh, if I'm reading what I'm reading correctly. Uh, he took a helmet to the back of the elbow. Uh, he's going to be out two to four weeks, which is correct in saying several. They can't afford to lose much for Jameis. He already looks a little bit uncomfortable if you watch some of the New Orleans Saints games so far this season. It looks like Jameis is a little uncomfortable with the task he was given, which is to not throw the ball 55 times a game and to actually step up in the pocket um, and only throw once in a while. He needs protection. He can scramble, which is going to benefit him even with this injury. However, uh, definitely a lot better for Jameis to have some some protection up front. Now, the one thing that does help them, they are playing the New York Giants this week. Um, the Giants, uh, we're going to get to actually next, we're going to get to some of the Giants players that will probably miss this game. Their defense hasn't performed as well as people expected, uh, and their offense has also underperformed due to Daniel Jones not living up to standards. So let's just, that's a good, great, perfect transition. Uh, Let's hop right into the Giants players. I got three major ones here. Blake Martinez, torn ACL, he's out for the season. A big player for them in the middle of that defense. Basically, he's the Mike. Uh, he's he's taking the play. He's organizing everyone. A uh, hard place for a coach to replace somebody with. Um, just similar to the quarterback um, on offense, but on defense. It's really hard to find a guy you trust enough to set everybody up and make calls on, the, on a whim on defense. That was Blake Martinez, formerly a Green Bay Packer. However... He's really been embracing New York uh, and has played very well since he's been traded over there or picked up in free agency. I'm not really sure which one. However, he's been great. 
Uh, so not having him on the field is going to put another damper on what's already a very subpar season for them on defense. To go along with the the defensive person that they're going to miss in Blake Martinez, also two of their better wide receivers. Uh, Kenny Galladay, who is not on this list, is still dinged up with a hip injury. Uh, he's been dealing with that hip since uh, the offseason, uh, at least the preseason. So I haven't, I don't have him on this list. But newly due to week three, uh, Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard both doubtful this week and both with calf strains. So once again, um, I feel like a broken record, but it, it has to be said, uh, soft tissue soft tissue injuries I, I doubt that both of them are going to play in this game. One of them is at least going to miss. And if they do both play, it's going to be they're going to play scared, uh, which is almost not worth them playing at all based on some of the things that I've seen as a football fan growing up. You don't want to play people hurt uh, because they don't play the way they normally would if they weren't hurt. Uh, and that's just obvious based on what you can see on the field. I've witnessed Adrian Peterson do it multiple times. Um, I've I've witnessed even Christian Ponder, who was a terrible quarterback, but when he was out there hurt, he was even worse. So uh, just as a Vikings fan, I've seen a lot of players in my in my day uh, growing up, and they've they've gone out to the, on the field. They've said that they're okay to play, and then they go out and they don't look any even close to what they were uh, before the injury occurred. So. It's, it's going to be pretty serious. The Giants need to figure it out. They're already 0-3. Uh, we're going to talk about them later in the last segment, uh, the surprise segment for you guys. But not having all these players is going to be huge, um, and it's going to put more pressure on Saquon Barkley, um, who's also coming back off an injury as well, uh, all the pressure that he doesn't need to, for him to try and turn his season around uh, and be more successful than he's been so far. All right, off of the Giants players and on to the New England Patriots who will be hosting Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks with the game of the week. Uh, if you guys do not watch football and you're just listening to this podcast or if you do and didn't know, Tom Brady will be back in New England and it will be a wonderful game. I believe it's Sunday night football if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's going to be a great game. However, one person that Tom Brady really loved when he was in New England will not be there, and that will be James White. Uh, dislocated hip. He is out for the season. Uh, they thought that they could get away with putting him on IR and they would have surgery and he'd be able to make it back. Uh, everything right now that I'm reading is saying that he's going to be out for the season. Unfortunately, I love James White, uh, especially as if you were getting into a deeper fantasy league uh, and you needed a, a running back to to hop in um, and maybe plug in a spot for a week or two weeks in fantasy. He was always uh, there and available to catch five passes out of the backfield and get you at least 10 points or somewhere around 10 points. Uh, great guy. Uh, hurts me to see it for James White, but now it's going to be even, even harder for Mac Jones to try and beat Tom Brady at his old stomping ground. So very interesting game uh, to watch out there. So if any of you guys are free, please watch, the, watch that game. Uh, it's going to be a pretty great game. All right, next on the list, Greg Newsom II, the rookie cornerback uh, that the Browns drafted. Uh, luckily for me, uh, the Vikings play at home against the Browns this week. Uh, I'm only saying that because the Vikings are normally very good uh, off of big wins, so and they're able to stay at home for a con two consecutive weeks. So uh, not having Greg Newsom in there is going to help us a little bit. 
Uh, they still have a decent amount of good players in their back end, uh, there being the Cleveland Browns. So I'm still a little concerned. Uh, Vikings are playing well, but the Browns um, are very, very good so far this season. Now, Greg Newsom has looked very impressive in this first three weeks. He's come in on some nickel situations. He's come in on some four wide situations, and he's very and he's locked down his his uh, his player uh, that he was covering on most of these routes. So. Uh, anything we can do to try and get Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen open. Uh, it's looking good for Dalvin Cook to try and make his return this week uh, from his ankle sprain that he was out last week with. So uh, Vikings will not rush him back. So if he cannot go, Alexander Madison will be going again for a second consecutive week. Uh, but Greg Newsom not being in uh, is a huge deal uh, for the Vikings to try and exploit that Cleveland defense and try and get enough points to win that game because it's going to be very hard to stop the tandem duo rushing duo of uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So uh, we're going to have to limit the pass and limit the play action. And the only way to do that is to stuff the run and get to Baker. So uh, with Greg Newsom out, that might be a better, that might be uh, easier said than done. Next on the list, Jamel Dean. Uh, the defensive back from the Tampa Bay Bucks is going to be out one to three weeks with a knee injury. Now, the issue with this is it's very unclear as to what it is in the knee. Uh, if I had to guess, if they're giving a timetable of one to three weeks, it's obviously, obviously not a meniscus or an ACL, which makes me think MCL or PCL, uh, and it's only strained or pulled, not torn. So... If that's the case, that's good. Now, Mac Jones is going to be on the other side of this defense that the secondary has been their problem child, uh, especially through the first couple weeks of the season. They did go out and sign Richard Sherman uh, for $550,000 guaranteed, and he can make up to $2.25 million uh, through the season, and the rest of that gap money is based on incentives. However... Richard Sherman looks big. They said that he looked like he gained some weight uh, and he was a little out of shape. And he said he's not going to be in tip-top shape for another one to two weeks, which means they're going to have backups on backups in this game. Uh, they think they can score enough, which uh, duly noted, I believe that they probably can score enough. However, Bill Belichick's defense is not going to roll over and die in this game. So with that being said, I think that those Patriots can exploit the back end of this defense like every other team that's played Tampa Bay so far has done. And if that's the case, I don't think Bill Belichick wants to get in a shootout with Bruce Aarons. But if he does, they can stay in this game. And with them being at home, I, they have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to win or to cover, at least if you're betting on the game. The thing is, there's a very good chance that this game ends up ugly. And if it does, I it's either going to be really ugly or really, really close. So uh, it's not going to be in between. It's not going to be a tweener. I just, I, I don't have any faith putting any money on this game, uh, especially if it's on something that requires the defense of the New England Patriots to show up because Tom Brady could be so mad when he goes in there and just torch them. 
So keep an eye on that. Jamel Dean not being in there, though, is, is depth that they need at that position. Um, and it's it seems to be a running problem in the NFL right now of corners getting hurt. Uh, soft tissue injuries, uh, this is the time for it at the beginning of the season before everybody's in the swing of things. So uh, keep an eye on the soft tissue injuries moving forward, especially in defensive backs on all 32 teams out there in the NFL. All right, the last person on my list, Penn State alum, K.J. Hamler, torn ACL. Uh, he's going to be out for the season. They signed David Moore. I'm not sure if they signed him from the from a practice squad. I believe that they did. Uh, he used to play for the Seattle Seahawks. I know he got released. So if I had to guess, I'm thinking they got him off like the Vegas Raiders practice squad or something. But um, good good substitute for him. It's not the exact same player, uh, but it is a speedier guy just like KJ was. Um, it's just a shame. Uh, first it was Jerry Judy on that team, and now it's it's KJ Hamler, uh, standout at Penn State. Uh, this guy's been catching deep balls for the first three weeks. He's been a solid for Steady Teddy uh, over there in Denver, which we will talk about in the last segment of this. But here's the thing. Denver... I'm not going to waste my time talking all this stuff about Denver because I'm going to talk about them in a minute. However, they've played three decent games so far. That's what I will say. They've played better. Their defense has has shown up to games, and their offense is doing enough. I'm not going to ruin the rest of the, the last segment. However, I will just say that, and then I will move on. Is that good with you guys? All right, well, we're going to go back to Denver, so give me a minute, but... All right, so that's all the injuries I've seen. Uh, if I named a player you currently have in fantasy or what have you, keep an eye on him or um, or them moving forward, uh, especially in the injury reports leading up to the, the day before the game. Um, so if they play on Monday night, make sure you definitely check Sunday um, or all the days moving forward to see if that player will be in or not. I definitely will be doing that because a few of my players in fantasy are currently questionable this week. So uh, I will definitely be looking at that injury report, as will most of you as well. All right, let's move on into who I like and who I dislike in fantasy this week. So let's start with the dislikes. I've got five dislikes, um, and this these players I would not start. It didn't matter if I drafted them in the first round or the fifth round of my fantasy league. Number one, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley has not performed to standard since he came back from this ACL. The Giants offense is a joke, especially with the three the two players, their two of their biggest receivers on offense are most likely not going to be in this game, which means Saquon is going to get pushed and he's going to get stuffed. Saquon reminds me of the early Adrian Peterson days where he would run for 25 yards, have three rushes for negative 10 and then run for another 25 yards. There is no consistency there. The New Orleans defense is a relatively good defense even in the middle. Um, so I don't think that they're going to have the ability to get him out on screens. I don't think they're going to have the ability to run successfully multiple plays in a row against the New Orleans Saints defense. So I, I don't I don't want to start Saquon. I'm in the point right now. I love Saquon. He's from the area that I'm from. He went to a high school right up the road for me. He went to Penn State. Listen, 
I'm not I'm not starting Saquon Barkley until he has over 20 carries in a game and has over 150 yards. I will not start him in fantasy, nor will I try and trade for him. That's where I'm at. I, I need the consistency, and that's what people need, especially in a season-long fantasy league. You can take a, a flyer on him in a daily fantasy on FanDuel or on DraftKings or what have you. That's fine. That's a that's a good decision. If you, if you think that he's going to cook up one week, that's fine. That means you're not stuck with him the rest of the year. That's what I'm talking about. I play season-long fantasy. I've never played daily fantasy. Maybe I should, but I'm not willing to risk betting money or in somewhere where I'm trying to win money on Saquon. Even last week, he had a little over 50 yards rushing, a little over 40 yards receiving. It's not going to break the bank. So if you have to start him, start him. Uh, But I'm not expecting a big week from Saquon Barkley. I'm just not. Next on the list, DeAndre Hopkins from the L.A. Rams. You know, you know that Jalen Ramsey is going to be all over DeAndre Hopkins the entire game. DeAndre didn't have a good week last week. Good news for Arizona Cardinals fans is the other two wide receivers picked it up a lot by having over 100 yards receiving in Christian Kirk and A.J. Green. Now, I also have a note here, all other Arizona wide receivers – um, to not start as well um, because I don't have confidence in one of them, right? So I could tell you to start Hopkins and then Green goes off. I could start tell you to start Kirk and then Green goes off. I could tell you to start Green and then Hopkins goes off. I don't have any confidence in one of these receivers being the one. Jalen Ramsey might stick on one person. He might not. He might stay on the same side of the field. I'm not really sure how they're going to handle it. However, I don't I don't have enough trust in my brain to tell all of you like this is who I would start. Right? If if you're if you're chaining me to a wall and you make me pick one, I would probably start Christian Kirk only because he's not he's better than AJ Green and won't be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey like DeAndre Hopkins. If I had to pick one and I was chained to a table, that's who I would pick. But I listen, I have no idea. I'm not I'm not telling you that it's a guarantee, uh, but I'm not confident in any one of those receivers. And I think Kyler is going to have a decent game, but I think it's all going to be on the ground for him. I think he's going to be able to evade that pass rush and run on the ground, and I don't think he's going to be able to have – he's not going to be thrown for 300 yards and four touchdowns in this game. And I think this is going to be a relatively low-scoring game as well uh, based on what I'm looking at right now. All right, after that, Ryan Tannehill at the Jets. Uh, we talked about – A.J. Brown, we talked about Julio Jones, and the Jets' defense is terrible. I see uh, Mike Vrabel, their head coach, I see him literally just being like, all right, Derek, we're going to give you the ball 40 times. Just let's run the timeout. Uh, let's win 24-3. to like that that's that's how I see this game going. And uh, Ryan Tannehill doesn't want to do anything crazy to get his backups hurt and, and – Derrick Henry has proven that he can take multiple, multiple games in a row of just pure punishment. 35 carries, 40 carries, 40 carries, and five or five targets. He can take this. 
Derrick Henry's the only one who could take this, clearly, because I've never seen any other uh, any other running back be able to take this amount of punishment and just run directly up the middle and just run people over. So if there's one way that they want to come out of here and get a, a victory, it's to not get anybody else hurt and to just run the time. So this is going to be the quickest game all season so far. The Jets are going to go three and out on multiple. Honestly, the Jets have an opportunity because Tennessee's defense isn't that great, but it, it, there's a very good chance that Tennessee wins by by 15, 15 plus. And Derrick Henry just runs the ball. So um, it's not worth starting Tannehill, uh, especially without his two best players, most likely not playing in this game at wide receiver. All right, and last on my list, Tom Brady. A lot of people are going to go nuts over this. Listen. Tom Brady has had a hell of a beginning to his season so far. He had a very good day last week. He threw for more yards than Jameis Winston's thrown for the entire season last week against the – God, I can't even remember who they played now. It doesn't. It's irrelevant. He threw for 432 yards against them, against the Rams, right? They played the Rams last week. He, he threw for 50 more yards than Jameis has all season. Tom Brady is going to be super hyped going into this game. He knows he's on the better team. He knows he's happier on this team than he was in New England. He's going to try and give it to Belichick. And Belichick's going to be like, you listen, not so fast. Right? So I don't expect Tom Brady to have the best day. So if you have two fantasy quarterbacks, I would suggest starting the one that's not Tom Brady. I've seen people right now starting Kirk Cousins over Tom Brady. That's kind of ballsy. However... They understand where I'm coming from, and I get where they're coming from. So I think Tom's going to go in and just try and win this game. I don't think he's going to put up amazing fantasy stats in this game. So whether you are in an all-season-long fantasy league or if you're doing daily fantasy, I don't think Tom's worth starting in this game, especially with the solidarity of New England's defense and the fact that he's playing his old former team. I just don't think that he's going to have an amazing game. Now, I could be wrong. Right? Like, I definitely could be wrong. I could, like, it's not impossible for him to throw over 400 yards and four touchdowns against Bill, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I literally do not think it's going to happen. So stay away from TB12. Um, and then I got a list of six people definitely to start this week. So starting with the quarterback, Matt Stafford, against Arizona. Arizona's defense is terrible. Now, don't get me wrong. Chandler Jones had that good week. Uh, he had five sacks. That's fine and dandy. Uh, but our but the Vikings subpar offensive line held them at bay while they scored thirty three points easily against that team. Now the Rams offense is way better than the Vikings offense. Um, I don't care who who's discussing this. It's just it's just a true fact. So Matt Stafford against Arizona, he's gonna have another day. He is going to have at least three touchdowns, 300 yards passing, and possibly some rushes because if they're going to keep coming after him, he might be able to get loose and run for a few first downs. Matt Stafford, definitely a start this week. 100% a start this week. Next on my likes, Terry McLaurin at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, because of last week and the low-scoring game against the Giants, both teams sucked in that game. Uh, Their defenses showed up more than their offenses did. Um, however, Atlanta's looked shitty all year. So Terry McLaurin, um, I think Taylor Heineke has a bounce back week. Didn't have a good week last week. So, uh, Terry McLaurin's going to have a week. So if you're looking for someone to start, maybe that flex spot, 
Uh, possibly even as a wide receiver too. Uh, I would throw Terry McLaurin in there uh, because I see it with Washington's defense being inflated in terms of statistics. I see this being a closer game than people expect, uh, which would lead me to believe that Taylor Heineke would be throwing more often and nobody on the Atlanta Falcons defense can cover scary Terry McLaurin. They just can't. So definitely Terry McLaurin with a start. Next on the list, Devontae Smith at Kansas City. Um, Last week it was, well, Monday night, I guess. Uh, They didn't really do much in terms of offense. Jalen Hurts didn't look amazing. Um, However, uh, the Cowboys defense might actually be better than the Kansas City Chiefs defense right now. So um, I see him having a bounce back week as well, him being Jalen Hurts and as well as uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell as well, if you have him, throw his name in the ring. Uh, those play those playmakers on Philadelphia may be having a game. Doesn't seem like Kansas City can stop pretty much anyone right now. So uh, they're definitely all worth a start now. Worth a start in the wide receiver one um, or a running back one? No. Uh, however, if you are looking for someone to start, you got somebody that's questionable on the injury list we just went over or uh, possibly just want to just get somebody in there because you lost the first couple weeks of fantasy and you're looking for a change. Both those players worth starts. Definitely Devontae Smith over Kenneth Gainwell, uh, just based on pure targets uh, and the chances that each player is going to have to score. But definitely worth a start, especially against a piss-poor Kansas City Chiefs defense. Next on my list of likes, Stephon Diggs at the Houston Texans. Listen, Houston Texans are awful, especially in the back end this season. Stephon Diggs hasn't had that great of a start. Uh, Looks like Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley are getting more targets and more touchdowns. Uh, Sanders in terms of touchdowns and Cole Beasley in terms of receptions and basically targets. Uh, But Stephon Diggs has been looking for a game to get out and just just explode. This is going to be that game. Um... I see it being a bit of an issue because they might get up by too much and just run the ball. So I am going to throw Stevin Singletary in as a hybrid uh, with with Stephon Diggs, depending on what the score is. I think Diggs has at least uh, six catches, 100 yards, maybe a touchdown in this game, hopefully all in the first half for you guys so you'll get your, your worth before they take the starters out. Uh, because I can see this going lopsided relatively quick. Uh, but if you have Devin Singletary and this team gets up in the first quarter or maybe halfway through the second quarter, I can definitely see, 100%, I can see them just running the ball with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and just letting the defense just stop Houston in general with Davis Mills playing subpar against Carolina. Uh, I could definitely see that happening for sure. All right, we got two running backs on the likes list to round it out. Uh, Joe Mixon against Jacksonville. Jo- Joe Mixon has a gra- has had a great beginning to the season. Uh, torched my relatively good rush defense uh, as the as a Vikings fan. Uh, the Vikings defense relatively good against the rush. Uh, he had over 125 yards rushing in the game against us. Uh, he's he's been he's been actually pretty solid. Um, he's been solid since he's came into the league, a little bit underrated until this year. Now he's starting to get uh, the the respect he deserves, basically. Um, so keep an eye on him. He's going against Jacksonville. Uh, they can't get a push worth of shit right now. Um, pardon my French, but 
they're not defensively. That team is lost as well as as a team uh, because Urban Meyer doesn't know how to lose. Uh, so I can only imagine what his his after game speeches to his locker room after they lose a game that he has no idea how to give uh, because he's never lost. So uh, I I can imagine that in the Jaguars locker room right now there is a bunch of players that are losing respect for a coach uh, that doesn't know how to lose in the NFL. So. I've, I've mentioned Urban Meyer's name a few times, never really in a positive light because I'm not really a fan of some of the stuff he conducted as a college coach. However, um, it's blatantly obvious that he does not know how to – he does not know how to manage – I should say the word manage. He doesn't know how to manage a an NFL team um, to the point where I don't think that his – motivational speeches to his players are going to work. So I don't know how long he's going to last in the NFL. And that's just a hot take from me to you guys. Cause I, I can see him quitting by, by the mid, by mid season. I can see it happening because I don't see them getting a win for a while. All right. And we went over it a little bit before already, but um, just to emphasize the likes uh, Derek Henry at the jets uh, jets are embarrassing. Uh, as of right now, uh, both New York teams are are pretty embarrassing on defense. Uh, the Jets obviously being the worst. Uh, but Derrick Henry is going to keep a roll going. Um, he's going to keep leading the league in rushing probably until the end of the season and then lead the league in rushing at the end of the season as well. Um, hoping Dalvin Cook gets back in there, but he's uh, he's missed last week with the ankle, so we'll see if he plays this week or not. Uh, but we're going against the Browns, so we'll have to – We'll have to see how that goes. But Derrick Henry's going to have a week. Uh, the Jets do not look good. They have way too many injuries on defense, uh, way too many rookies, and way too many people starting in this game that are not starters in the NFL. Uh, so definitely give Derrick Henry a start. It's not like nobody wouldn't um, if they have him in fantasy, just reiterating what definitely should happen. All right, guys, I said I'd have a one more segment for you uh, until the end of this episode. Well, we're going to rank the, the 0-3 teams, we're going to rank the winless teams, and we're going to rank the undefeated teams. So I'm going to rank uh, the teams that are 0-3 currently right now, which is five of them, uh, from 1 to 5, 1 being the best team out of the 5 and 5 being the worst. And then we're going to do the same thing for the 3-0 and teams, uh, the number 1 team being the best and the number five team being the worst. So we're going to start from the bottom of the list and go up. So the Owen, we're going to start with the Owen three teams. So the worst team I have in the league right now is the New York jets. Zach Wilson looks embarrassing. Um, and this is the kind of stuff people were talking about uh, when he was, had the biggest bust potential out of all of the quarterbacks taken uh, in the first round. Uh, he looks like he's not comfortable. The jets offensive line can't block uh, their playmakers are getting hurt. Um, and Zach Wilson can't, quite frankly, find any of them on the field as it is. So that is the reason why the Jets are the worst team, especially the worst 0-3 team. Number four, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence looks embarrassing as well. Uh, he's, I think, tied with. He was tied going into week. Th- I think going into week four uh, for interceptions, if not very close to it. Uh, his offensive line is also a little embarrassing. I'm not sure what Urban Meyer's doing with James Robinson, not basically not playing the first two weeks and then playing week three. Um, not really making any sense. And he can't really find any of his wide receivers. Um, and they're not no names. Um, they got He's got Marvin Jones. He's got DJ Chark. So I really don't know why 
he's struggling that much, uh, probably because he doesn't have that much time, um, as well as his defense being basically inept um, and giving as many points to any team as possible. So that would be why the Jacksonville Jaguars are the second worst team out of the 0-3 teams. Number three out of five for the 0-3 teams, the Lions. I like their fight, uh, but they just don't have the players. Jared Goff is not a good enough quarterback to get them through, and their defense has been losing and losing people in the back end. Um, and they have maybe two players on defense. I trust the rest of them are just not good football players. And they are going to be 0-3 for a while, but their first win will be against the Vikings because that's always what happens. Don't ask me why, don't ask me how, but that's always what happens. When the Lions are are terrible, like absolutely terrible, and looks like they're not going to win a game, they'll win one against the Vikings for sure. Number two out of the five on the 0-3 list, the Giants. Uh, they have the second best ability to turn it around right now. Um, they're 0-3, but they could have easily won two of those games. Uh, they, a, a late second dinger, a late second field goal against the Atlanta Falcons last week with Young Way Koo, and then they also lost on a field goal at the Washington football team. So that's two horrific losses that they could have easily won, which is why they are not the one of the worst teams on this list, but towards the top. Uh, so the Giants just need to figure it out. They need help from Saquon. They need their wide receivers to stay healthy, and they need Daniel Jones not to turn the ball over. And then they can easily turn this 3-3 three and three record into a 5-3 and three record and be leading that division. But and until then, until all those things happen, they're going to continue to be a basement dweller uh, in the NFC East. Uh, number one out of the best team out of the 0-3 teams is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Carson Wentz looks like he's doing better on his in, on his injured ankles. Uh, their defense is is the best defense on this list, on the 0-3 list by far, uh, the way they've performed. And they do have playmakers on offense. They're missing a few of them because they're hurt. However, uh, Jonathan Taylor needs to get it going. They need to get T.Y. Hilton back. Um, and Michael Pittman Jr. needs to pick it up just a tad, and this team can turn this around. I don't believe in Carson Wentz, but I believe in the Indianapolis Colts as a team, not counting Wentz. Wentz is what's holding them down, I think, and I don't think it was worth him trading for. Even if Frank Reich thinks that they have a good connection, uh, he's not worth that money, and he's not good enough. And at the end of the day, if you're not good enough, you shouldn't be on the field. That's just as, as brutally honest as it can be. All right, next is the 3-0 and list. So at the bottom of the 3-0 and list, we've got the Broncos. Listen, this is not the first time you guys have probably heard this, but the Broncos have played the following three teams to be 3-0. and the Jags, the Giants, and the Jets. All three of those teams are bottom three in the league right now. What? Steady Teddy can only take you so far. However, their defense, I think, is going to take them there. So I don't think that the Broncos are as good as their record shows, um, but I think they're going to be in every game this season. I don't think they're gonna, there's going to be a game where I 100% count them out and they don't have a shot uh, based on the way their defense is playing and based on the fact that Steady Teddy doesn't lose you games. He just wins them for you. So um, he'll at least keep them in it. Next on the 3-0 and list, the Panthers. Uh, they've had a relatively easy schedule as well. A uh, big hurt to them is losing Christian McCaffrey for a little bit uh, with – 
That leaves it up to Chuba Hubbard uh, to come in and take the reins at the running back position. Sam Darnold looks decent, um, and it looks like he likes uh, his wide receivers, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. So uh, they have a few rookies as well at the wide receiver position. Their offense looks pretty solid. Their defense looks pretty solid as well. So um, it looks like the Panthers are a pretty good team right now. Now, are they better than the Tampa Bay Bucks? No. Um, and you'll see that in a few in a weeks to come. Um, however, uh, right now they're rolling. So let's see if they keep rolling. Next on the 3-0 and list, the Cardinals. Uh, their defense is piss poor, which is why they're not at the top of this list because their offense is probably the best offense on this list. Kyler looks good. Uh, short quarterback who's very mobile. Uh, he's got a rushing touchdown in every game so far this season, which is a huge advantage to a lot of these defenses. Um, and in, within their their division, which is probably the best division in football right now, uh, they need to keep stealing games, and they are going to continue to steal games uh, if – they continuously play off on offense like this. They just need a little more consistency on defense. Uh, the more consistent they can be on defense, the less pressure on offense, um, the better their team is going to be in the long run and in any postseason game uh, that they could possibly get involved in. So uh, preparing themselves for the future is basically the short version of that story. Number two on this list, which might be a little shocking to some, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders on offense look good. Derek Carr looks amazing. Uh, their playmakers, Ruggs looks like a brand new player. Uh, Darren Waller is really involved. Uh, Brian Edwards, who missed last season with an injury, uh, who they got out of college, who thought they thought was going to be a number two receiver, looks like it. Uh, and Hunter Renfro as a number three is probably the best number three in the league right now, based on what he's doing. So I like the way the Raiders look right now. Um, they're undefeated. They're them and the Broncos are leading the division with the Chiefs in the basement. I never thought I'd ever see that, honestly, in my whole lifetime, especially my lifetime with Patrick Mahomes starting for them. Uh, but their defense isn't getting it done. Um, and they could easily be 0-3 right now. They could easily be 2-1 right now. So uh, let's see. It's going to be interesting how the AFC West shakes out. I definitely did not expect these two teams to be leading the division and the Chiefs to be at the bottom, uh, but that's the NFL for you, and sometimes there's a division that's completely ass backwards than what you thought. So let's just keep an eye on the AFC West moving forward. Number one for the undefeated teams is by far the Los Angeles Rams. Probably the best trade that I've seen in this offseason has been the trade for Matt Stafford. Now, they did give up a decent amount of picks for him, but it was definitely worth it. I could see in the past decade of Matt Stafford playing within my division and playing him twice a year. He's always torched us. Now, people are going to say that he's not as good. He's not that mobile. He's not as good as people say. Well, guess what? He played for a really crappy team most of those years. There was a few years Jim Caldwell as the head coach, uh, maybe two years, maybe three max, where they had a shot at doing something. Um, but other than that, the team itself surrounding him has been piss poor. Now, he did have Calvin Johnson at, at, in Detroit, but it, it it's not the same. They never really had a running game. Their defense was subpar. He's now in a in a in LA. He's on a team where their defense is solid, their offensive weapons are solid, their running game, even with all the injuries, is solid with Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson. Matt Stafford is set up for success. Now, if Matt Stafford doesn't succeed, we can say that he's a little overrated. But until he proves that he can't succeed even with a better team, 
I want to see this this Rams team because they're playing in the best division in football right now, um, and I want to see them. I want to see them run this division because that it's, it's a really good division. Even San Francisco lagging back a little bit. Seattle doesn't look on the top of their stuff right now. Uh, Matt Stafford has a real opportunity to win this division and be a very high seed in the playoffs. All right, guys, that's the midweek segment. Or sorry, the midweek episode. Uh, for the All In Man Cave podcast, um, I am Cole Haight. I am your host. Great to talk to you guys today. Uh, I've been going through a lot of stuff right now. It's real, real um, insightful for me for me to prepare these podcasts um, and talk to you guys about them. I've uh, been been going through a lot of stuff recently, personal stuff. Um, so every time I post a podcast, I really do appreciate you guys uh, for listening. Uh, please share, comment, rate, like. Um, all of the above, uh, please five stars. If you're listening on Apple podcasts or Google podcasts, uh, please leave a question. Uh, nobody's, I've uh, gotten four ratings on Apple podcasts, uh, relatively recently, but no questions on there. Uh, thank you for the wonderful comments of, of positivity. I really appreciate it for the podcast. Um, but since it is Thursday and not Wednesday, I will make sure that you guys have your preview episode for week four out. Um, I'm either going to come home and do it tomorrow after work or have it out Saturday morning. I'm going to help some some people move this week, so I'm not going to be around pretty much on the weekend, but I'm going to make sure I get that out for you guys um, either tomorrow or Saturday morning. Uh, your preview episode for your bets that you're going to place for the Sunday games. Um, so... Thank you once again for listening, um, for all of the injury updates and all of the fantasy updates um, and the 0-3-3-0 special segment. I really appreciate it. Um, and like I always say, hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day. And until next time, peace.